Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Gridiron Bliss Podcast, your weekly source for women's American football, insights, game recaps, and NFL News Weekly. Subscribe on Apple and iHeart. Play is the fastest-growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy-to-play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Night Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50. Hey, guys. Welcome to the Gridiron Blitz, uh, 433 in the house. Oscar Lopez alongside, in about an hour, the Oracle of Women's Tackle Football. And that's going to be Mark Simone, a.k.a. the backseat coach. We're going to break down everything that happened in Canton as the uh, Women's Football Alliance National Championships Division Pro Division Two and Division Three all took place this past weekend. We also had the championship in Sweden as the Karlstad Crusaders once again reign supreme in Sweden. And then we'll break down everything that happened that weekend as well. Don't forget to go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash and get the lowdown on everything that's happening in the sport, including the amazing uh, weekend that happened in the under-18 women's championship in Canada. So if you missed it, it's right there. Uh, YouTube is your place to be, Football Canada, via Football Canada on YouTube. So uh, the amazing uh, athletes, under-18 uh, women's championship for the women's in Canada. So you take advantage of that. We're also going forward to the IFAB Women's World Championships. And if you missed our podcast last week, we had two amazing guests, uh, Sarah Galicia um, and also Tammy Moore. And so both of them are going to be going to the Team USA uh, Championship in, I, in the IFAB World Championships over in Finland. So you can uh, take a look at that podcast, 432, very enlightening as well. We had Holly Custis announce her retirement on 432 as well, so you can replay that right now. 16 seasons for her. It was awesome uh, to hear about uh, her new uh, endeavor, which is uh, football coaching. So it's going to be awesome. And then we also have 431. We break down everything the Nine Cup weekend. That was Camry Veal of the WNFC uh, head coach of the Mississippi Lady Panthers. Plus, we also uh, broke down everything that was happening in the Nine Cup, the Nine Cup Finals. Uh, 4.30, we chat with Lindsey Cash of the LA Black Storm and Thelma Banks of the Derby City Dynamite. So uh, you can also get that lowdown right there. And the, the Derby City Dynamite did not come through. Uh, they played an amazing clash. The D2 final in the WFA, probably one of the best games in terms of the championship format right now in the three-division tier moment. So uh, shout-out to Mahal Blaze. Shout-out to the uh, Derby City Dynamites. Derby City was looking for a back-to-back championship, just like Nevada, D3, D2, but did not happen. Um, Mile High, what an amazing story there. Uh, Kimberly uh, Santa Stevens, what an amazing job she did this year with the Mile High Blaze. And you get the lowdown right there at the hub, everything that was happening, especially the focus on the Maha Blaze from everything, everybody in Colorado, big press in Colorado, TV, 
uh, print and everything else. Shout out to uh, Winflato Donami for uh, an awesome finish to their season, and congratulations to her uh, championship owner now as well. It's a really awesome weekend in terms of the WFA. Also, ESPN2 was featured there. We had Alex Westad, uh, Brian Sweeney, uh, Donna Wilkinson, uh, Lois Cook. Uh, There was just a lot of uh, individuals involved in the success of the uh, championship weekend. That was the Pro and Division Two and Division Three weekend at, in Canton at the Hall of Fame uh, Tom Benson Stadium. So really, really awesome. So we're going to kick off at 4:33 here uh, with a, the talented uh, in the first huddle. We're going to be talking to uh, Michelle Angel as a, a X League 2022 has begun. We're into like week four now. Uh, they started off really hot in the first game. This game here. Uh, they faced up against the Phenom Bailey uh, Hutchins of the Atlanta Empire. So we'll talk to Michelle about where the Austin Sound go from here in terms of a playoff format. Um, if you want to get, catch her interview after the, sh- after the game in Georgia, you can go right there to the hub, uh, courtesy of the X-League uh, official Facebook page, and we'll be diving into her in terms of what it means for this season, uh, the new unis, uh, the format. Uh, they were missing, I believe Chris Daniels was missing, and because Chris Daniels is in Birmingham for Team USA flag team, so that could have been a factor as well. But you did have some great, uh, pretty good game. Uh, Cassandra Bills, obviously our, our own no-joke football athlete, Anna Garza involved there as well in terms of the Austin Sound. But it was the Empire uh, with uh, Ziegler and company, including the uh, Phenom new quarterback, Bailey Hutchins, who do come out with the win in week four in the X-League. So uh, we're going to figure out where uh, they stand right now. Also going forward, we've got Denver Rush in, in, in play. We also have the L.A. Storm, Chicago Blitz coming back. So a lot of action in X-League. We're going to keep tabs with it. Obviously, uh, Nate Ward keeps, uh, keeps us up to date on that as well. So, if, like I said, if you guys haven't gone to the hub, take advantage of that as well. Uh, before we came on here, kind of a bombshell news, breaking news type mentality. The WNFC announces a, sh- a market change. For 2023, uh, and if you know, if you follow the WNFC since its infancy in 2019, there have been a lot of teams come and go every off season, and that is because of you know the the driven motion of the leadership group of the WNFC is to have viable franchises that will appeal to investors and obviously venture capitalists. And there's no way that that's going to happen if a franchise isn't structured correctly, full season capacity of games plus a great ownership and participation by a lot of volunteers. So that takes a lot of work internally for every franchise, and not every franchise is able to do that. And so within that time frame of the WNFC, we've seen various teams come and go on each side of the coast because of the fact that they're not able to commit to the standards that the leadership at the WNFC. And obviously it is more of a business-minded sense. Some investors and some business uh, venture capitalists are not going to look at a business plan and given the fact that there's 20 teams or 17 teams, that they're not going to take this uh, serious. So in order for them to be taken serious, the WNFC really has to set structures and guidelines and uh, on you know game day protocols for them to you know to be viable in terms of the businesses and to have investors value their branding. So at this point, uh, breaking news came out today: WNFC announces a market change for 2023. And a big-time NFL All-Pro wide receiver. Everybody knows he's Houston ties with the Houston Texans, and that would be DeAndre Hopkins. 
uh, one of the main receivers in the NFL, one of the key powerhouse owners that will be in, uh, with the uh, team in Houston that will replace the Houston Heat franchise as, uh, as announced by the WNFC. His uh, sister, Kesha Smith, will be also franchised. They're going to add uh, Tarini Dash on top of that and then uh, Kylie Jamerson uh, also on top of that. So we have a core group of four individuals that are going to try to make the Houston market viable for the WNFC. It is very important for the WNFC to make Houston a viable contender and a viable uh, rival because it is Texas elite, it is Houston. Why not make a Texas duel every year in season? So the only way that's going to happen is obviously with strong ownership and the the opportunity for uh, really good rostering. So, you know, if you're in Houston in terms of the market, in terms of a player right now, I mean, I'm not going to try to sell you the WNFC for whatever reason, but you already know what it's all about. They got Vire Network Nationwide covers worldwide reach. So if you're a player in, you know, let's say in the w, in the WFA or any other league in Texas, for example, if you're a player in there, you want to play for a visible uh, opportunity besides the X League, which has always been visible in terms of a platform or viewership. WNFC has really put it on another level with Vire, Vire Sports. So this is an invitation for you to come on to this uh, brand-new franchise and really make a name for yourself and stand out, especially when you have an owner uh, as prestige and as an uh, all-world wide receiver as DeAndre Hopkins is. So the opportunity is there to be part of this brand-new franchise that's going to launch and make uh, the Houston market a, impact, a representation for the WNFC branding. So this is huge news that just came out today. One of the things that uh, you know, we've stressed along the way, it's, not, it's, it's never happened in women's uh, tackle football until, what, the early 80s when we had, the, uh, I believe, the NWFL that kicked back there, and there was opportunities for it to go pro. There was opportunities for women to get paid. Uh, There's just a lot of opportunities. But it has never happened at another level like this since then. And so this is a moment in time where, um, you know, everybody at one point understood, you know, what it was going to take to elevate the game. So we've elevated the game on both in both leagues. We've elevated the game in the w, WFA with obviously being in Canton for the next five years, visibility by the NFL, uh, the Patriots taking really – uh, um, really kind to uh, the, the Boston Renegades. So there's opportunity there uh, for both sides to exist. We have no idea what Jerry Jones might do once the WNFC or even DeAndre Hopkins gets involved with Houston. There's opportunity there for another relationship to be built through the NFL and via the NFL, especially since they played the game there. But, you know, overall, what a big, big moment here. So we won't know the details. Uh, we don't know the name of the, uh, the franchise yet. We have no idea what they're going to call it. So that was one of the big moves uh, besides the WFA weekend that was also exciting. Like I said, an amazing moment this weekend. If you didn't catch all the games, ESPN2 was the WFA pro final. Coming into this uh, final in the pro game, uh, we are going to have in an hour here, we're going to have WFA 2022 pro MVP Chante Bonds of the Boston Renegades to talk about that, talk about the playoffs, talk about uh, Allison Cahill's injury how she substituted for her for the last two games to punch in the championship, their fourth title in, in seven uh, in, in their franchise history. So seven titles altogether, but fourth consecutive, which is an amazing feat in itself. Uh, with the international backfield that was, uh, you know, a Ruth Mata, uh, a Tutti Kissinen, and a, as well as uh, 
Falkowski, all those came together and accumulated a win for the Boston Renegades. For the uh, Minnesota Vixen, uh, kind of a disappointing loss, but at the same time, it was a very successful season. They battled through all year, um, new rookie quarterback, uh, also changes there. Um, you know, uh, Coach McCalling also made some strides there. So uh, Minnesota returned to a back-to-back finals appearance. So that's an impressive feat in itself. And then a, a, lot of, a lot of, you know, effort that was put in. Unfortunately, in the championship game, it was not displayed in the way that the Vixen would have loved to display it. It was just basically a one-sided uh, matchup, and it turned out to be uh, no different than it was the year before. Unfortunately, it was not as exciting as the year before. We had no Grace Cooper, so that was a missing piece there. We did have other talented players step up, and it was a three-quarter demolition, basically one quarter of a presentation by the Vixen to just kind of not get shut out in the final. So that was not a very good showing there. But at the, at the end of the day, they did arrive here. They did take care of their schedule. They did uh, become the opponent of the Boston Renegades. So we're going to talk to uh, MVP Shante Bonds in about uh, an hour or so. Also coming into the second huddle right here is going to be Coach Claire Dorr of the Football Canada. And uh, we're going to be talking the under-18 women's championship. We're going to talk about the Manitoba Girls Football Association, the Regina Riot, the WWCFL, Team Canada in terms of what its opportunity will be in Vanta, uh, silver medalist as well, champion in the WWCFL. So a, a lot of things that we can dive in to Coach Claire Dorr, who was uh, one of the premier players in the WWCFL for a long time and now has transitioned over to get the next generation of athletes into Canada uh, to blossom the WWCFL, but also to, you know, uh, a breeding ground for Football Canada to get it to another level and to really strive to make sure that we got women's ball in Canada and on a secure platform and really, really good. So this is this is basically um, an awesome opportunity right there uh, for Football Canada as well. So you're looking at that um, for the program up there. Uh, let me go ahead and just uh, email here. There we go. There we go. All right, great. So we're going to be uh, just diving in here to see if uh, once we get uh, Michelle Angel here in a couple minutes here, uh, figure out, you know, where the X-League, uh, you know, uh, Austin, um, the Austin's, uh, Austin sound stands in terms of what's going to happen for their season. And it looks like, you know, that's going to be a competitive season at this point. It really is. So we're going to dive in um, to about uh, with Michelle Angel here in a second as we talk to her about X-League. Go ahead and dive into the Monkey Night 5 huddle here. Fight is the fastest-growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy-to-play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Night Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50. All right, guys, don't forget to go Monkey Night Fight, especially for the NFL season coming up here in three weeks. Go Monkey Night Fight. Use our code NJF. You can get a $5 free play. Get the prop right. You're going to make about $15 on our own $5. So check it out. Monkey Night Fight. Use the code NJF. Let's bring in the quarterback of the Austin Sound, and that would be Michelle Angel into the huddle here. Michelle, how's it going tonight? Thanks for making the time. Hey, how's it going? Uh, Thanks for having me. Uh, Michelle, uh, we're just kind of reviewing uh, with with our fans since the uh, the excitement of the X League kickoff this season. Uh, you guys uh, kicked off a great uh, first match 
there in, in terms of the first win. Now you go into Georgia this past weekend, wasn't as easy as it was. Of course, you were missing Chris Daniels, some key pieces for you there. Uh, but what did, you, what did you think of the, of the young quarterback? Obviously, it's going to benefit the league as well, just like you're as talented quarterback as well. So what did you think of uh, Bailey's performance against you guys? Sure. So, you know, just from kind of the, the scouting that I do, I'm, I'm kind of an obsessive. So anybody that I'm playing, you know, whether they're on offense or defense, I'm looking them up. Um, so, you know, I know she has a flag background, and, and so I know, you know, at the very least she would be act- accurate. Um, I will say that, I, you know, I think she performed well. However, I think that her team put her in a position to be successful. Um, you know, they set up the play actions with just pounding the rock and, and running stretch all night. Um, so, you know, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a lot of pressure on her shoulders, which is exactly what you want to do with the rookie quarterback. So, you know, I think, I think she did her job. She did exactly what she needed to do to get the win. Um, you know, as far as their passing game or, you know, her ability to, to throw the ball down the field um, consistently and, you know, on, on third and long and, and situations like that, um, I do want to see more of her film. But, you know, I, I think she did a great job and, and had a great showing. Michelle, how do you think this benefits uh, the fans and in general? As a fan, uh, we've seen you perform at a high level. We've seen Ashley Salerno in the past at a high level. you got Matheny in Seattle. Uh, so this is kind of nice to have a, a couple of new quarterbacks kind of come into the fold for the league, don't you think? Oh, for sure. I love it. I mean, there's, there's 10 and 12, 13-year-olds that I'm looking at you know, just in awe at their footwork and their fundamentals just because they started so early. Um, and I think, you know, she's, she's a part of one of that, of one of those in that younger group. Um, that's going to be very, very successful just from getting a, a fundamental base at a much younger age. You know, I didn't start until I was about 20 years old. And so at the very least, if she started playing yesterday, you know, she's years ahead of me. So I think it's great. This is exactly what we wanted, especially, in a position um, that's, you know, more skilled physically and, and mentally, it's, it's difficult to find those up-and-coming players, um, you know, in a sport that's trying to grow. So, you know, I, I love it, and I think it's great for the sport, and they're getting younger and younger every year. Now, for you, you you're in Texas, and I think flag is huge in Texas. So there's opportunity, and you probably get to see a lot of talent stuff around you, especially in Austin and pretty much up and down Texas. So, that's an exciting moment, I think, in terms of just of recruiting, not just on the tackle side, but also for the X-League side. And you also have on your roster a lot of, uh, you know, overseas players in terms of, you know, the Mexican players that also play that X-League style of play. And you guys went down south sure. to do an all-star competition. So I think that's also benefited you guys in terms of roster acquisitions, where in the past it's like you had to go to the colleges or the universities. Well, now it's like people are willing to come and, and be on a roster, which makes uh, a lot more easier, I guess. Yes, for sure. I think, you know, I think what hurt us, unfortunately, during COVID, um, two and a half years off, it's, it's hard to keep, you know, girls engaged and, you know, showing up to practice. It's really tough. Um, our biggest reward is being able to play in those games. And when you go two and a half years without that, it's, it's hard to retain players. But, you know, I think it is a huge benefit. Um, I, I recruit everywhere I go just by body shape and, and what I assume to be an athletic person. I mean, it doesn't even have to be at a flag tournament or, you know, pick up basketball, whatever it is. It's, I'm walking by and I see somebody and, I, you know, I'm grabbing them. I can't tell you how many players you've gotten from, you know, just random instances like that because really a lot of it is about spreading the word. Um, it's growing at, at a very fast rate, but at the same time it's still unknown 
um, as a possibility to, to a lot of women and, and female athletes. Now, only uh, one game at home this season because of, you know, the circumstances that happen in the league. Uh, there's opportunity. Uh, a lot of us are kind of like, okay, what's going to be the player format or the playoff format, and, you know, what's it going to take? So we're, like, up in the air uh, anticipating, <laughs> like, you know, is, is, is the Austin Sound going to make the playoffs or, you know, are they going to be forced we, to play I mean, an additional game? So. No, I know it. We, like, you know we what I mean? It's like we're all that way. Everybody's asking me on my on our page, going, "Okay, what's the playoff format?" So I don't even know if Mitchell knows what the playoff format is. <laughs> so you know, you know, to be fair to the league, they did everything that they could to make sure we played some sort of season this year. Unfortunately, you know, with everybody rescheduling all kinds of events, arenas were just packed. I mean, dates were being pushed for two years out. And so it was a little difficult, you know, to get the arenas. And so I'm just grateful that, you know, we were able to get to play at all this year. Um, And so as far as the playoff picture, um, the way that it's been explained to me is the top four teams are going to go. Record's going to count, head-to-head is going to count, and points are going to count. And so that's the way that it's been explained to me. Um, We we aren't going to – sit back and wait and see we have this weekend off only because we just played um and then we are pretty much six weeks in a row until that next game so you know we're hoping that the way that it shakes out that we're able to to get in there and make a playoff run but you know it unfortunately some of it is up in the air right now all right so uh, everybody uh that watches you loves just you know your aggression on the field your vocalness on the field um, I think you're. I think you're turning to a different person once the lights go on, <laughs> and I really think a lot of people really I, yeah. enjoy that part of your personality. Do you enjoy that part of your personality when you go back and watch film and you're like, "Is that me?" Or <laughs> I do and I don't. It's it's definitely an alter ego, um, and it's it's like a, a natural high and a passion that I I can't explain. You know, you only understand if you've been in it. Um, I as I'm getting older, though, you know certain things that come out of mouth out of my mouth when I'm watching now, you know, as an adult and as a parent, I'm looking at it going, okay, you know, a leader, a leader would have phrased that differently. A leader would have, you know, encouraged that player. Um, and so I've really tried to make it a point to be better about, about certain things. Uh, but at the same time, it's, it's almost like I'm seeing that, you know, with certain outbursts of tenacity and passion and aggression, I, I just can't help it. It's just a part of who I am when I play and, you know, if I if I completely held myself back, I don't think I would be as successful or perform at as high of a level because it's just you know part of part of the energy and and part of what I bring to the field. All right, Michelle, I know you like to get into these refs' heads, and they're not regular refs, so they're kind of, you can get into them and you can somewhat get them to change a call here and there. So that's kind of something that we dive into closely when we watch, and so it's kind of unique that you can actually get somebody to make a call and change a call or, or get them to rethink something. So it's pretty cool <laughs> when, when we're watching you. <laughs> so, I definitely – I don't know if, if you watched all of the L.A. film, but, I mean, you know, these, these refs, this is a, a different format. We're the only league, really, that plays this seven-on-seven style format. And so, you know, knowing that, I understand that these refs are refing all different kinds of levels. And so – I know our rule book, and so I'm always, you know, just gonna get, gonna get the call based on based on that. Um, I think in the LA game, 
uh, somebody was mocking my snap count. And even though it wasn't going to give me any sort of benefit because it was just an extra point, I still made the ref throw the flag just because, you know, I wanted to prove a point. Like, that's not allowed. I, I know what I can do. I know what you can do. And, you know, so I kind of just approach it from – they, they might not know all the rules, and it's to no fault of their own. This is their 13th game that week, and they're doing the best that they can in, in this format. But, yeah, you know, I, I, I love to talk to them. I'm, I'm in their ear all night. I, it's first-name basis always. Well, I can tell you what, Lindsay Cash did mention that on our podcast when we interviewed her, that she was trying to get you sidetracked so that that, that count was going to go off. <laughs> <laughs> and you did mention that to us. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, that was just you know, I I also like to, you know, make sure that my my linemen aren't gonna get messed up because, you know, as a defender I've even done that, you know, mumbled the snap count or, or you know, flinched and clapped and, and done all that and sometimes you get away with it and sometimes you don't. So I don't blame her for trying it, you know, in, in lots of scenarios that you, you can get away with that. But but yeah, that was just one that I had to, you know, put my foot down and say, No, we're not gonna do this. All right. Um I know you I know you have a fun time because when we watch you on film it looks like you're just energized and ready and every down matters and, and you're able to try to, you know, get the, get the pass right in there or get the run. So um, with the uniform changes, do you think everybody's a lot more inclined to go to the wall now? Because I know before you got a shoulder injury, but now you have actual padding and full gear on, on the upper level. Has that changed your game at all? So it, it hasn't changed mine. I would say it's definitely changed um, – the way that I'm getting hit, I think, I think I feel the hits a lot more um, because you, you're able to put a lot more power behind full, you know, a full kit, full pads. And so I think, I think I felt the difference in just in the way that I'm getting hit. Um, but as far as, you know, my run game, I've, I, you know, I have injuries that, you know, I, I nurse here and there and that are, are pretty chronic with me. And so if it's fourth down, I'm going to get that. I'm going to get that first down. But at the same time, you know, I understand that I don't always need the first down. I don't always need the home run play. And so you kind of have to pick and choose as a quarterback when you're going to lay your body on the line and, you know, when you're going to go to the wall and, and, and uh, you know, save, save your body that way. All right. You have so many dynamic uh, players on your team. I mean, Bill, Daniel, just to name two of them. Uh, I mean, just uh, I don't know uh, when we when we watch you guys play in terms of the sound, uh, our expectation is big play every time almost, and it, it usually does happen. Yeah, so uh, I've actually I've been playing with uh, Cassandra Bills and Chris for probably the last four and a half years. Not only tackle but flag. Um, I recently have kind of you know taken a step back from the flag world to, to focus on tackle, but. You know, that's what we're trying to do. Um, we take pride in the fact that we we aren't just going to run stretch 500 times. We're going to throw the ball. We're going to bomb on you. If you get scared and back up, I'm going to eat you up over the middle, under the zones. And so we take a lot of pride in being an offense in the X League that's completely different. I think every other team that you look at, they're always going to be run heavy. Um, and so we just we just like having the ability – to score at any time. I don't think that there's ever a fourth down or with five seconds left that I don't think that we can score. And I think, you know, although we have a lot of things to clean up offensively and, and on the defensive side of the ball, that's what makes us so dangerous in the playoffs. Now the 50 burger put on you guys, was that shocking after the half or 
how was the reaction at halftime for you, for you guys in terms of you know the scoring on the other side with Atlanta really and, and you know Ziggler's uh, I mean just sure. a, a beast yeah for for me personally I I wasn't shocked or surprised just because I've been around a long time um, you know if if you look at I don't even know and and if old school college or college teams or NFL teams, you know if they're running the spread, you know if they're running the beer, you know you know exactly what they're what they typically do. You know your linemen are going to come from freaking Nebraska and Iowa, <laughs> and so with that, I know that Atlanta is always going to be big, they're always going to be tough, and they're always going to be physical. And so that aspect did not surprise me. Um, the the 50 points that that did surprise me you know when you throw t- five touchdowns as a quarterback and although we missed some extra points put up 34 points you don't you don't expect to lose that game um and so you know that that was just a tough pill to swallow and even even with you know what happened defensively i i still had an opportunity and you know me and me and bills have talked about it already we still had opportunities to to win the game um, and we just we weren't able to you know come through. So I wouldn't say that it was surprising. I, I never underestimate anybody, um, but definitely not the result we were expecting nor what we wanted. Yeah, it was. I wouldn't say shocking, but it was. Uh, if you watched the game, it was. Uh, you know, on either side, like you said, they are as talented as any. Salazar is just a you know uh, just a beast to contain as well. Oh, so there's yeah. uh, you know there's opportunities for that as well. So. They're just playmakers on both sides, and it just so happened that this was their night in, in a lot of ways on the defensive side of things where you guys weren't able to contain in that sense. Um, what, mm-hmm. do you, what do you say to the, the fans so far of the season? We're going like midway through the season here, so uh, they've seen Chicago already. Uh, they've seen a makeshift KC, which was at the Empire. We're gonna, we saw L.A. already with display. Um, it just looks like it's going to be yourself, Chicago, and it looks like maybe Seattle at this point, uh, and even Atlanta in terms of the you know the top four. So if that's the case, I mean we're we're giddy for it. Oh yeah, I'm I'm really excited, and you know I'm I I love that you know we're we're on live now. I think that is such an awesome um, opportunity for us, you know, just to get seen more and for people who actually want to watch to have an opportunity to see us play, not only you know, in person, but also live on the app. So we're really excited. Um, you know, every year the, the talent just gets better, better and better. And uh, I hope that, you know, we can, we can make a playoff push. And uh, at least, at the very least, I hope that all the games are exciting. Because uh, at the end of the day, you know, I, I want to win. But at the end of the day, I want to progress and I want to push the sport forward. So um, as long as, you know, we're all competing and, and uh, putting up points and getting getting people to tune in, you know, I'm going to be happy. All right, uh, Michelle, I had a question that was sent to us by Twitter. Will you consider coaching just like Jody Nettles the next gen of quarterbacks? Oh yeah, if it's hundred percent. I uh, I I am in Austin until the wheels fall off, until my body doesn't let me, and then I I fully see myself if not as an offensive coordinator in, in the X league, um, but a quarterback's coach. And I, I don't, I don't ever want to leave it. It's kind of like I grew up in it and it's kind of like my, a little bit like my baby now. Um, but yeah, I just saw Jody this weekend, gave her a hug. It's it's so weird to be for me. Cause I'm in the generation. I'm kind of in the middle of the generation with Ziggs. Um, you know, we know all the OGs played with all the OGs. Now we're kind of becoming OGs, and we're looking at that next generation. So really exciting. Um, I think the talent gets better and better the younger they are. And, yes, I will 100% 
be coaching if I'm ever not playing or if and when I'm not playing. Now, I will tell you, you do have a huge following in Mexico if you weren't aware. Uh, there's just a <laughs> lot of huge following for your team in Mexico. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're – are you practicing your Spanish? Have you practiced any Spanish at all since you've gone down there and come back? <laughs> so – so I, I, they, they all joke. Uh, we, they, we kind of have different um, levels of, they have different levels of English and we all have different levels of Spanish. And so it's kind of funny. We were just talking about the other day. It come, kind of almost makes us all closer because, you know, the ones that are learning English, the ones that are learning Spanish, it's just like sometimes a look is just how you're communicating with somebody. Um, I do know a little bit of Spanish, not a lot, but, you know, when I'm, when I'm trying to explain something, I can say to the right, to the left, I can say sharp or curved. Um, the one that they all love is they, that they taught me is uh, no la caigas, which means don't F up. <laughs> so that's our favorite one that we like to yell, but yeah, it's a good time. And, you know, by no means can I speak Spanish, but I, I, I try here and there. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, the only reason I'm saying that is because I've got like four or five, I think six groups that are either now, uh, you know, transmitting their, your games when, uh, in terms of the Austin Sound only games on some of the okay. Facebook uh, groups. And they're like huge. All oh. those groups are like 10K or more. So that's the reason I'm saying it's like you're kind of a, a big fan uh, down south in terms of the explosion with the team and everything. So that's really good that, that you know, you're getting the fanfare down south. So. Uh, it's just, awesome. you know, it's warranted, and that's pretty cool. And then, obviously, Anna uh, making a, uh, efforts out there to, you know, to try to create uh, some sort of a, you know, a team out there in Mexico at some point, maybe in Monterey or Mexico, from my understanding. So it's going to take some time, but it's it's going to get to that level. And I think it's going to be huge once is that, you know, any team that you put out there, whether it be in Monterey, Mexico, or maybe in central Mexico, that's going to be huge. Right, right. No, we're really excited. We actually, uh, we, we did held a little camp out there. And so somebody from our team um, that wasn't on our team previously, we actually specifically picked out of that camp. And so it's kind of twofold. We, we look, we go over there because we want to help grow the sport. And, you know, we're also looking for players. And at the same time, we want to be able to help them and, and build, you know, a, an outlet or a league for them, you know, that, that they're able to play in as well. Because, you know, I, I'm sure the players on my team, you know, they, they love being on the Austin sound, but financially um, and, you know, with families and work and everything like that, you know, I think it would be great if they had a Monterey team that could play in the X league or, you know, how, however that looks in the future. So they do get to put a team together um, to play in the X league this year. So I think that's super exciting. And, you know, all those fans can tune in to, to their local all-star players being on that team. Yeah. And you have a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, Mexican players that have come and are been regulars uh, in, through your season. So that's a kind of like a, a nice pipeline for them to go back and kind of introduce what the X league is all about and what the LFL is all about in that sense. And I know there's various uh, leagues that, you know, that play the same style down there. And I think it's eight on eight and not on seven on seven, but it's eight on eight. So it's really, uh, it, you know, nice to see that the uh, sport is evolving down South as a recruiting hotspot. And what better to, you know, go on the off-season and vacation than to go to, like, you know, Mexico for vacation. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's booming out there. I mean, I think people would be surprised with how much they love American football. I mean, flag, arena, 
tackle, 11 tackle, um, they have it all down there. And so it's really about, you know, them, them wanting to play tougher competition and, and be a part of something, you know, that's, that goes across, across borders. And, and so I think, you know, that's, that's really important. And it, they have a lot of, a lot of pride from, you know, that country. And I, I think they represent themselves well over here. And I just hope that it continues to grow. All right, the uh, the the changeover. Do you like it? Do you like the the black and yellow, the the fan pass, as you mentioned earlier, where fans can get it? It's pretty pretty cheap, seventy bucks for the year. Not that expensive. Yeah, you get all access, so it's a it's a really nice way to do it. We don't have to wait a week like we were doing before with the YouTube upload. Um, right. So you 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 know, as a player, I know to it a lot, but as just a, you know, your family members and any feedback that you've gotten so far, has it been very positive? I. I love it. I personally, um, you know, I have a lot of family in California and, you know, they haven't been able to come to my games for, you know, four or five years now. So it's awesome for me. Um, I think, I think the cost is low when you look at a full season. Um, I think it was a little tough or, you know, a little hard for people to, to want to pay it this year just because, you know, they didn't know was the season happening, how many games is the season going to be? And it is a little bit shorter. So, I think that's the only hesitation right now, um, but I think it is a great deal. I think it, the the live is awesome. You know, I have I have so many messages coming to me after the game of people that were tuning in. So it's really just an awesome experience to not have to wait that week. Um, and and to I mean we were we were upset obviously we were at one in the morning we were we were watching the game two or three times. So I love it. Um, I I like the full kits. I like the shoulder pads. I think we're we're kind of finally at that happy medium of you know, full coverage and, and still being sleek and fast and, you know, it, it not just overcrowding our, our bodies and just covering us all up. Um, but I'm, I'm very happy with everything. I, I really, I'm, I'm really excited about the future and, and what it looks like for a full season. And the dynamic of it was always to be player safety first. And I think that's a, uh, one step forward to that, especially in the upper levels. Uh, I know knee injuries yeah. are always an issue because in any sport, even when you're padded, it's knee injuries, just a regular tackle. But to have, you know, an upper chest, uh, upper torso oh, yeah. coverage a lot a lot more, that is more beneficial, I think, overall. And it's a, it's a, it's a great step, you know, to like you said, to get it to be self-aware. Oh, yeah. I think the fans, no matter what, uh, you know, we got feedback. We did a couple polls internally in some groups. And uh, no matter what, the fans, uh, I don't think, really cared about the uniform change because they're really more uh, involved with your personality, as an example, and they would they would watch no matter what because they know what you bring to that's the awesome. table and onto the field. That's awesome. That's the way that you know. That's the way that it should be, and that and that's the way that I I hope we can continue to progress in. And I think I think that safety wise, um, you know, the full full shoulder pads is making a, a huge difference in the way that people feel confident in tackling and things like that. Um, you know, we still are in the hockey helmet, but no matter what anybody says, I'm still, I'm still a believer in the hockey helmet because I think what happens is, especially in, you know, when you consider that maybe we haven't been playing this sport for 25 years like men have, um, you know, we don't have the inclination to put our head down because, you know, you can't in a hockey helmet. In a football helmet, you can put your head down and, and make a tackle. Um, so I think safety, I, I think we're in a good place uh, for, for safety reasons. And, and I'm glad to hear that the fans, you know, have responded well to it. So that's, that's cool too. Yeah. I think that, the, you know, we're, we're fans no matter what of the sport, but in general, 
I, I think that we love just the competition itself, but we also like the fast pace, as you said before, the 50-yard mentality where, you know, it's the yeah. high scoring. Anything can happen within a certain amount of minutes. You're not waiting for, you know, for like the NFL does. Um, so before I let you go, uh, let's dive into the Chargers. And what do you think the Chargers are going to do this offseason? Because I know you're a big Charger oh, fan. And, I am way you know, Herbert, Herbert's Chargers. been good. I've had him on my fantasy, you know, uh, roster for, what, two years in a row. He's been very decent in terms of scoring and everything else. So what do we say of the Chargers here? They're playing in, they're playing in my Rams stadium, uh, Michelle, just to let you know. Kind of bothers oh, congrats me, but that's okay. Then. <laughs> Thanks. But, uh, no, I am way too excited about the Chargers. Um, I think that they've kept everybody on offense and really just in the off season went to work and put a lot of money on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, I think that we took, we took a guard, which is exactly what was needed, um, in the, in the draft. And then, you know, we got, we bolstered the defense with, with free in free agency with Sebastian day and Austin Johnson and Khalil Mack and JC Jackson. I mean, that is an all-star defensive roster. So I'm really excited. Um, so the AFC, AFC West is, is kind of ridiculous. So it's, you have to kind of uh, not lower expectations, but be realistic. That is a competitive division. So I'm, I'm hoping for a playoff year for sure. Um, but very exciting. They've, they've done a lot of great things and I freaking love coach Staley. I would go for it on fourth down every time too. Yeah. That's going to be exciting ball. I really like the way they upgrade it to your point and, the way they put up a defensive shield, they brought in some key matchups. That's what you need for a young quarterback like him to kind of evolve. And he, he already had potential. Now you put a, you know, like you said, a line on him. Uh, he should be able to blossom. And then you got Russell Wilson in the mix now. Uh, you got, what, Carr. Uh, you have no idea what the Raiders are going to look like at this point. Uh, Denver's With the first year Adams, out. Yeah, yeah uh, Mahomes probably <laughs> the same, if not. So there's there's opportunity for uh, – for, uh, the Chargers to really make uh, a run and really be effective this year, especially with all those pieces. So, uh, Michelle, thank you very much for making the time. I know you're always busy and on the go, especially after this game um, that you came off the, you know, the loss. So we're looking forward to watching you more on Fan Pass. Um, and then you guys, uh, our fans, you get Fan Pass uh, basically about $70. Plus you get two tickets to go uh, of your choice to choose a game. Hopefully it's one of those uh, games where Michelle Angel is going to be part of it. You get to see her live in the stadium as well. So uh, pretty cool. So anything else for the fans, Michelle, before I let you go? Uh, no, just thank you for tuning in. I think uh, you kind of hit the nail on the head there with the, with the tickets. You know, the, the, the pass pays for itself if you go to a game pretty much. So uh, just, just tune in. Thank you for watching. Um, thank you for supporting and, and helping grow this sport. And we, uh, we wouldn't be here without you. So just really appreciative, and, and thank you for having me. All right, Michelle, thank you. Have a great uh, weekend. Enjoy your week. Uh, tra safe travels out there. Looking forward to your next matchup. Thank you. You have a good one. Bye. All right, bye. All right, guys. Uh, Michelle Angel of the Austin Sound. Um, what an amazing uh, athlete. Uh, on top of that, amazing uh, uh, woman, and athletic as all, and also very intelligent. And like she said, she might end up in doing coaching to help the next generation to blossom up that quarterback line. So it's going to be interesting uh, to see how that works on how she's going to elevate that next line going forward. Um, I, I really, I really am interested in to see where she ends up at because 
Jody Nettles, as we just mentioned uh, with the conversation with her, Jody Nettles started uh, in Flag, also went into the uh, was part of the I believe the Atlanta Steam in terms of the uh, Legends Football League, and prior to that at the LFL. And so Jody Nettles kind of like a pioneer for the seven on seven game in terms of the women's side, and she's done an amazing job in terms of the flag scene over in Georgia recruitment. Uh, Bailey Hutchins, uh, obviously one of the the key the key athletes that the Atlanta Empire just uh, recruited this year, and you got to see her on full display. And if you didn't, you get fan pass right there in the game. You can get it right there, uh, Afición Vaquera, right there at the Facebook page. You can also get the replay there as well because they're going to be showing the games, uh, pretty much all Austin Sound games all season. So thanks to them for supplying us with coverage and uh, live feed pass uh, experience. That was the Austin Sound versus the Atlanta Empire. So if you didn't watch the game, go to the hub, facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties. That is the place to be. That is the best network on the planet covering women's American football. And you get to see the phenom, Bailey Hutchins, versus the veteran and legend, uh, Michelle Angel here. So thanks for Michelle to come in and make uh, make some time for us and kind of give us the breakdown here. We're going to be uh, diving into the second huddle here in a couple minutes. We're going to be uh, diving into Coach Claire Dorr. Uh, Football Canada, uh, the under-18 women's championships. Uh, and then in about uh, half, uh, 15 minutes or so, we're going to dive into the WFA 2022 Pro MVP of the Boston Renegades, champion uh, Shantae Bonds, um, MVP, multi-time MVP champion uh, Shantae Bonds. And then we're going to dive in also to the Oracle of Women's Tackle Football, and that's going to be Mark Simone in the house as well. All right. Let me just get going here. All right, let's do it. So we're going to dive in here in a bit, and then uh, we're going to go take care of that in a second here. All right. So uh, should be getting a call here from Claire in a bit. But if you guys haven't checked it out, um, we are at the uh, probably 30 days to the NFL. So as soon as we're done with the IFAB World Championships, we threw a teaser out there on our Twitter feed. Uh, once we're done with the IFAB Women's World Championships, we're going to dive into the NFL in the offseason, college football, a lot of news. Hall of Famer will be here. Terry Lister will be here, uh, as well as uh, Mackenzie Brooks, Nate Ward. So don't miss it in about two, you know, come back every week, but NFL specifically in the fall. So let's go into the huddle. We're going to be talking to Claire Dare, uh, Claire, Claire Dore of Football Canada in a second here is the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy to play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Night Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50. Don't forget, guys, go to Monkey Night Fight. Use the code NJF to get started, especially for the NFL season. Let's uh, dive into Football Canada this week and let's talk to Claire Dore, uh, former uh, Regina. Um, player as well as WWCFL legend. Uh, Claire, how's it going today? It's going really well, thanks. How about yourself? Good. Uh, thanks for making the time. I really appreciate it. Wanted to bring you on because the total, the excitement of the uh, U18 Women's Championships, uh, which you can get right there uh, via Football Canada on YouTube, all the coverage this week, and we uh, shared it on our page. So what did you think of the tournament, Claire? You know, it was so exciting to get see uh, young at that age compete at such a high level. Uh, it was exciting across the board. 
uh, we play a six-a-side version of the game, and that, that opens the field wide open and, and lots of big plays, lots of, lots of excitement for everybody. What did you think of, of uh, Ontario football? They really made an impression first, uh, first, out, first time out. It's pretty cool. Well, and that's it. This was the first time for this age category for anybody across Canada. So we were just thrilled uh, in Saskatchewan to be hosting, but also that uh, teams as far east as New Brunswick and Ontario made the trip, as well as our neighbors to east and west, Alberta and Manitoba. Um, you know, we were all together for a week in the same dorm, so we got to make friends with everybody. And, and I'll say all the teams made impressions, and, and we were just excited to be there. What do you think of the talent pool going forward? Uh, from if you step back and you saw this huge amount of talent on all these squads, what did you think that's going? Is you think that's going to benefit the uh, the football uh, football Canada in terms of the national squad on the I five level? I really do hope so. Right, engaging women at this stage, right, young women when when they're making this as their priority, their first football choice gives us more years to develop them and, and teach them the game in a way that we hope leads more of these players to the national team and, of course, uh, national team-level success. Now, uh, Claire, you're part of championship uh, teams, in, especially in the WWCFL, uh, Saskatoon being probably the benchmark and the top team in terms of, you know, the league and it's in existence. Then you got your team, uh, the, uh, the Regina Riot, right next to it as the, you know, the top two teams basically in the WWCF. What do you uh, – give us a perspective of the 12 years almost of the WWCFL. Have you seen it grow from year one to now year 12? Oh, without a doubt. Uh, we talk this year, you know, your memories show up on Facebook and you see what you see, and, and we talk about reminiscing about the days where we would change on the field, uh, you know, outside Mosaic Stadium to now where we have – you know, full-on locker rooms and facilities to use and proper fields as opposed to, you know, just someone's, you know, backyard-style grass. Um, you know, and the talent has continued to develop. Uh, you know, our first year, of course, everybody was a rookie and we were all bonded by learning together. But here we are, fast forward 12 years later, we have true veterans of the game. Do you think most people only play a 7- to 10-year career? We have 10-, 12-year veterans who are, you know, really showing these players how it's done and making sure that we appreciate all the people who helped the program grow. And in particular, the support we get in Saskatchewan, which is, you know, no, then no surprise that the Saskatoon Valkyries and the Regina Riot are always, the, you know, in the final and pre- representing in the WWCFL. Claire, what, do you, what did you think of Manitoba's uh, run this year? It was really impressive. Um, you know, Manitoba girls football program has been very impressive over the start of their, you know, in, in, in its infancy, and they've grown it there. Uh, Lisa's done a great job there trying to, you know, trying to filter that, that next level. Uh, but I think, you know, the fearless uh, being in the final this year, it wasn't, uh, this, you know, it wasn't like a great final, but at the same time you're taking on Saskatoon. But just the, the progression of that team this year was just so impressive. Well, and, and it does. It, it speaks to all of the programs, you know, in Manitoba with the MWFA, as you mentioned. Here in Saskatchewan, we have the PGFL. Um, out in Ontario, they're starting a league. Uh, in Edmonton, they now have a league. And that development, starting at a younger age, means that when these players, when these athletes age up to teams like the Fearless or the Storm, that they are already experienced football players and are able to go out and contribute immediately, as opposed to, 
you know, a 19-year-old rookie joining the team and taking sometimes two or three years to really truly understand the game. So the work Lisa did in Manitoba, uh, that Tanya and Sean did in Edmonton, and I'm going to miss mm-hmm. so many names, you know, but that, that are using their positions to strengthen the game at a younger age group will only serve the WWCFL and the other adult leagues across Canada. Now, we, have, we know we had, uh, you know, uh, WWCFL is a staple. We have Maritime that's been in place for a long time, and now we have the Central Canadian uh, Women's League as well. So there is an opportunity, just like the U.S. has, you know, several leagues besides the two big leagues. In Canada, we, we're starting to see that, that west to east kind of, kind of bonding with all the leagues now kind of migrating into each area and region, which uh, it speaks well for the sport in general. Because out there on the, uh, in New Brunswick, it's always been in existence, but we were always missing that one middle piece uh, in terms of the central side. Well, and this is, this is of course, the dream, right? We, we love the development of each league independently, but wouldn't the dream be that this is one Canadian-wide league? And if we keep, yep. keep on growing and developing, and I'm not talking in a year, like I know this is years down the road, but that we're in a position that we're competing nationally, as opposed to just in our bubbles, um, because any time, mm-hmm. right, like with, with the centralizing of the Team Canada tryouts this year, just that up level of competition, as opposed to when we've had the East and West camps, just having everybody together just raise the game and set the bar higher. So that would be the dream, right, ultimately, that all of these teams continue to exist and it becomes one Canadian league. Um, but, you know, all the people in all the leagues are doing so much work to make sure their league stands on its own feet and gets noticed. So uh, kudos to all of them, east to west, and I, we just continue to hope for, for more growth. Well, it would be a, it would be a great uh, type of environment, right? you got a Montreal Blitz taking on Saskatoon Valkyries in a final, or St. John Storm taking on, you know, Montreal Blitz, et cetera. So, uh, yeah, that would be a dream. Oh, and then I figure you got to dream big, right? Uh, we're laying the groundwork for, for generations to come, so we want to think big and, and keep pushing the pile forward. Uh, Claire, speak to, the, uh, to our fans about your career, how you started, uh, you know, when you shifted out of your career, and now, you know, what things are you doing to benefit the sport? Uh, well, I was part of the original, I was one of the original members of the riot when it started, and it, it was just literally a friend of mine saw saw a post and said, why don't we go check this out? We did. Um, and really, in that way, the rest is history. Um, I fell in love with the game in, in a different way than as a fan or as a player, and um, I, I've always coached. So as I transitioned out after uh, Worlds in 2017, that felt like a pretty storybook way to end a career, right? A WWCFL championship, a national championship, uh, a world silver medal. It felt like a good time and place to end my playing career, but I was already invested in coaching again at the, at the, uh, here in the local leagues and our minor leagues. Uh, and we started up the Regina Victorias, which is a U18 girls nine aside program. And, you know, it really drives me to see the growth and see the development and, and wanting to move that, that bar higher and, and push the pile, like I said, forward for all the athletes. So this is a game that will become available to anybody who wants to access it. So that's the path I've chosen and through, doing that through coaching. Uh, so I coach 
you know, minor girls football. I coach high school boys football. I coach with the WWCFL. I was given the opportunity uh, to, as you've mentioned, coach with the U18 girls provincial team and, of course, with the, the national team. And so I'm going to take as many opportunities I, as I can to continue to develop as a coach and find places for all of the athletes who want to access football to have that opportunity. Claire, uh, two of your two of the top uh, athletes, uh, Hannah McEwen and uh, and Bree, were down south and they were playing in the w, WNFC, winning the, the the nine cup championship this year. So two Canadian standouts. Uh, also, I believe Bree was on the on the uh, 2017 silver team. So, uh, what do you think of yeah. their journey down south? You know, I think they're they're brave and bold, and and again, it's that vision, right? other females can be done that can make football a career choice and uh, go out of your way to play. And so now that's a model that others can look to follow and, and pursue. Um, I think, you know, we have 45 players on that Canadian roster and I bet you, you have 45 entirely different journeys that are all, you know, really important for us to see and hear so that, you know, it, it, it doesn't have to be impossible or un, unachievable for new athletes. They have to see that this is something that can be done. And it's incredible to see that people are making it a priority and traveling to, to find a, a higher level to play at or whatever, you know, they were seeking when they went. Claire, uh, this, uh, this 2022 uh, Canada team, what do we expect at the, uh, at the Vanta uh, a tournament with the IFAB this year? Do we expect goals? Uh, well, that's always right. That's always the standard you're after. Um, we together and, and work hard and, and make sure our execution is on point and that we are playing at 100% every time we get the opportunity. And we will hope that that scoreboard does us does us right when it when it comes. Claire, who will be leading us in terms of the scope for the Football Canada? Who's our quarterback? I know McEwen was on the running game as well. Who's going to be the, the, the leader of this squad, or have we decided that yet, Ned? Uh, well, you know, that's the beautiful thing. We have two wonderful, strong quarterbacks who can both lead and, and offer different uh, highlights to their, to their field. But we are, like I said, when, when you're selecting a team like this, we have 45 people who can all be leaders, who can all step up and, and are all athletic. So it's early, right? We haven't had a centralized training camp since Ottawa in early May. So it'll be a wait and see and, and look to see who's playing, who's playing well and who's got the hot hand. The 11 are on the field have the best chemistry. Are you excited to see Mexico back? Uh, Australia is going to return. We've got Germany coming back. The U.K., uh, good showing in Vancouver. Uh, which other teams are you excited to watch besides the U.S. and Canada? Well, you know, Mexico coming back will be, will be a thrill. Um, you know, really, any, the fact that any of these teams are making a, a return uh, is exciting. Finland gave us a pretty hot run last time when, when I played as Nazi in 2013. So we'll look forward to seeing what they have to offer. Um, right? there's been, it's been five years, so there's potentially a lot of changeover on these rosters. So there is a, an element of the unknown in terms of who's still around, how the offense have changed. And so I think we'll be excited uh, no matter who you put across the field from us. All right, Claire, thank you very much for making the time. Really appreciate it. Uh, pioneer in football in Canada. 
I really want to bring you on to give us a perspective of what's going on with well, sport in Canada. Thanks a lot for having Canada. me. Mm-hmm. And um, I appreciate you uh, diving into the, the under-18 under women's uh, tournament as well. Absolutely. It, like I said, it was an honor to be a part, and I, I'm glad it's getting recognition for the excitement. Awesome. So, Claire, thank you again. I look forward to another chat as we uh, once we get through the IFAB World Championships. Looking forward to Team uh, Canada making that gold win and upsetting U.S. or any other team that's going to be in that tournament. Well, you know, like I said, I, I, with, with the amount of time it's been, we hope that we, we've reset, we've refreshed, and that we are ready to compete and take home a gold medal. Uh, but what matters most to us, of course, is putting our best game on the field. And like I said, I truly believe the scoreboard should take care of itself. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, safe travels. Uh, looking forward to watching you on that field in Vonta. Super. Thank you so much for chatting with me. And uh, hope it's a great tournament for all. Have a great night. Enjoy it. Cheers. Thank you. You too. All right, guys. That was uh, the talented Claire Dorr. Uh, what an amazing uh, pioneer in Football Canada. And uh, let's bring in uh, the oracle of fire, Mark Simone, to kind of dive in here to that. Um, Mark, uh, Claire Dorr, uh, a legend, you know, in, in a lot of ways in Football Canada, uh, part of the Regina Riot started with the WWCFL in terms of its infancy, now a coach at the IFAB World Championships as well as uh, leading the way for the next generation for Canada. Well, that's exactly what you want to see, right? Uh, no matter the country, uh, no matter the, uh, the level or the program, um, to, you know, develop football minds is, um, you know, perhaps the, the best, greatest sort of, you know, compliment that any kind of program can have. So, so that's really awesome to hear. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it just brings a different perspective to the game. And when you're going into the uh, IFAF Women's World Championships, you know, um, it's, it's really awesome to see um, women on the sidelines, uh, particularly foreign players, um, and, you know, not just the women on the field. So, so that's really great. And then Mark, uh, just to, you know, with her conversation when I was talking to her on, on Instagram on you know direct message and stuff, just the the, op, the fact that this this whole you know setup in terms of football Canada, it's not like USA Football where we have just Utah and it's sprinkled a couple of programs in the states. They literally have you know four programs already set in place for that next gen level to you know to bring in that roster just like the. Um, the Manitoba Girls Football League, there's, you know, like she said, alluded to Tanya Walters over in uh, Edmonton, and there's a couple other uh, places in Saskatchewan, and then you got the, um, you know, the Maritime plus the Central Canadian Women's. So, I mean, her goal is, is to have what we have in the States in terms of the WFA and the WNFC is to have a, a left, you know, east to west type of national uh, league that will be in Canada just like it is in the U.S. with the WFA. Right, and, you know, there's an economy of scale um, that, that favors Canada that, you know, um, compared to the United States and, you know, the, the kind of the vast number of players and number of cities where, you know, you, you could build programs, you know, contrarily, you know, Canada's population 
is kind of more manageable in this sense. And you can really sort of um, have really have a national involvement in the development of the game um, that, you know, isn't too unwieldy, right? Um, so that, that's a certain advantage that I think Canada has in the development, particularly of the women's game, is, is that they can build up these kind of feeder systems, I think, uh, a lot more strategically and more quickly than we can here in the United States, just uh, by virtue of size. And yeah. so, you know, maybe, you know, maybe in, you know, in the, in the, in the next few years, in the next decade or, or two, uh, in terms of international competition, you know, Canada's already, you know, kind of like the number two team compared to the U.S., but they should be, um, you know, genuinely vying for that, that gold medal. Um, um, should, should that feeder system continue to, to develop uh, their in Canada. And it was an interesting format, Mark. It's uh, basically it was six on six, but it, was, it worked out well, right? Because uh, you don't have the numbers yet. So the under-18 women's is sort of introductory as to what's, a, what's potential nationwide yep. uh, in terms of the program. So that was kind of unique to have that. But uh, it's something, like she said, there, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a starting point. You go from six to six, maybe you jump to, what, nine on nine as an example, and then you're going to progress to the 11s on 11s type tournament in terms of the youth format. So they got something going on there in Canada, obviously for, for a good reason. So shout out to uh, Claire Dore and Football Canada for doing their part. And uh, if you guys missed the games, the under-18 women's uh, championship, the youth championships, they're right there at the hub, courtesy of Football Canada on YouTube. So it was a really exciting games. Uh, shout out to uh, Team Alberta, who won the tournament, uh, versus I think Saskatchewan, Team Saskatchewan. So those are two top two teams there. And shout-out to Ontario Football for uh, putting up a great show on their first year coming out as well. So really awesome. Uh, we're going to go into the huddle, Mark, and we're going to be talking to somebody you're well aware of and know about. So that's going to be the uh, talented MVP of the 2022 Pro Championship, and that will be Shantae Bonds here in a second. ...is the fastest-growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy-to-play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Night Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50. All right, guys, don't forget Monkey Night Fight. Uh, get ready for the NFL season. $5 free play on us. You can make $15 on a great prop that you can get right. So check it out, Monkey Night Fight. Use the code NJF. Let's bring in the 2022 WFA Pro MVP. That would be Shantae Bonds of the Boston Renegades. What's going on? Shante. How you doing? How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Are you drunk? Did you did you recover no. from all this after party <laughs> stuff? No. Oh no, that's all cleared up now. It's it's back to work <laughs> now. <laughs> I I know Aaron. I know Aaron was. Uh, I don't know from her from her tweets. I think Aaron was pretty high and excited, and I don't know if she's recovered yet. Uh, we're talking Redwood, so I don't know if she's. In good hands already. I think I think everybody's kind of slowly coming out of uh, coming out of the the days of all the excitement and, and the after party. So yeah, I think we're all doing okay right now. Yeah, I had to check on Mark to make sure he wasn't drunk when he's coming on the podcast from that celebration as well. So he's <laughs> he's doing well. 
It, it's true. It, it, you know, it was kind of disorienting uh, to have the game there on a Sunday. And, like, mm-hmm. today, you know, I, I lost track of what day it was. Like, I, I, today feels like Monday. And, you know, you guys traveled yesterday, so that was kind of an off day. So uh, with a whole whirlwind of excitement, it must be really kind of uh, disorienting to, like, then immediately land back into, you know, normal everyday life mode. Absolutely. Um, I was just talking about it uh, today, actually. I, I felt the same. I'm like, is to, what day is today? Um, for all the reasons, right, the, the, the weekend was just unbelievable. Um, and you're on such a high. And then, you know, you get back and, you know, this morning at 730, I'm printing copies of math lessons for my summer school students. It's just like, <laughs> it's kind of crazy. <laughs> And you're, and they're like, did they ask you what did you do this weekend? <laughs> that would be the question oh, of, the, yeah. of the week. My students, yeah, my students are awesome, so they knew what the weekend, um, what I had going on last weekend. So when I came back, it was, well, how'd the game go? Did you win? Um, but it wasn't until like halfway through class that they remembered that uh, I was away trying to win a national championship. So they're awesome. They're all very excited for me and the team. So good kids. That's so cool. Um, Dante, what happened? Did you trip Cahill and got the injury, got your playoff appearance, and then all of a sudden you get your MVP? What happened there? Al is one of my best friends on the team. And so, you know, it was it was sad to, to have her out. Um, but, you know, she she's an amazing leader. And so when she knew that um, she wasn't going to be able to, to bring us home, um, she made sure that I was prepared as best as I could be um, to do the job. And just her leadership and her knowledge of the game, like, I learned so much in the last three weeks between her and Vernon um, prepping me for this game. So forever grateful to her and um, looking forward to having her back soon. Shante, uh, we but saw you. Your question, in no, I did not trip her. <laughs> you did not? Okay, we kind of, no. rumor had it that you maybe tripped her over just to get your opportunity, but we just wanted to clarify <laughs> that, you know? Absolutely not. I'd rather catch balls from her than throwing them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope she's doing well because it seems like she's doing okay. Uh, she's got, you know, a national championship on top of that without having to be hit the field at that point, so it's really good, too. So, she's got to feel mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of the, uh, you know, the, the whole thing? I mean, uh, we, we were looking for her in like a Waldo mentality on the first, first uh, broadcast. Uh, I was talking to Mark mm-hmm. and me and ben, Mark were going back and forth. And I was trying to get him. Hey, where is, where is Cahill? Right. So they were doing the, they were doing the, <laughs> the broadcast and I saw you on the, as a quarterback and then we're like, where is Cahill? Everybody's like on the Waldo thing. And then I kind of figured out there was an injury there. Uh, but you know, what a performance between you that international backfield, uh, including uh, Falkowski there, uh, what, what, you know, just, just an amazing offense right there. Yeah, I mean, our, our running backs are unbelievable this season. Um, our offensive line, ridiculous um, in, in their relentlessness to just continue to block over and over again. Um, and it's just like such a selfless team. Same for our receivers, you know, played a little bit of a different style than we're used to in the past where we're able to air the ball out a little bit more. Um, this year 
we put it on the ground a little bit more, and I think everyone on the offense did not care how we were scoring points as long as we were getting in the end zone. And so, um, yeah, just really grateful to, to the entire offense. They're awesome. What, is, what an opportunity for uh, Mata and uh, Kusinen to, you know, to hoist the trophy. They've, they've done that and been very successful in their country. Uh, just speaks volumes about how their commitment to come over every season and try to be part of this team as well, almost to, what, two, three seasons now. So it's a, it's, you know, it speaks volumes for their uh, resume too because they're on this team that's obviously on, on the high and the standard in, in terms of the WFA. Right. I mean, they're great teammates, too. They, I mean, they come right over. Um, we know that they're putting in work when they're not with us, and we they hit the ground running. We don't, we don't skip a beat when they're here. Um, they're just great human beings, great teammates, and they work hard. They have the same mindset as the rest of us, and so it's just seamless when on the team with us. Now, Shante, let's talk about the first half. You guys with – with your cohorts here, with your running game, you guys go up uh, big in the first half, then the second half, uh, third quarter in, in that sense. Um, so it was really, uh, when we watched the game, we were expecting a little bit more competitiveness from uh, Minnesota, given the fact that we had no Grace Cooper as well, kind of missing there with, with the injuries. But bottom line is, it was a, a, a whole team effort on both sides. Defensively, you held them down. Offensively, you guys were able to score almost at will. Uh, so just a, just an impressive outing. Oh yeah, I mean, we we were saying after every game that we still have yet to to play a complete game. Um, you know, something there was always something in a different uh, certain phase of the game that we wanted to be better. And I felt like this game was a game where defense. I mean, man, like unbelievable. Uh, defense, the the red zone stances that they had, um, the turnovers that they created um, allowed the offense to kind of get into the groove and figure some things out early on. So they're awesome. Our special teams, unbelievable. Uh, The punt return uh, by Shannon Singletary put us in an excellent spot um, for our offense to come out and score right away. And so, yeah, I think it was a complete team effort, which makes a win like this even even better because you know it was it was the entire team that was a part of it. So it was awesome. Shantae, uh, you know, now you played, you know, safety for most of the season. Um, so, you know, you have a you know you have that de- uh, perspective of being on the defense, um, but. You know, certainly in this game, you know, you're on the sidelines for the defense uh, when the defense was on the field. Uh, you know, wh- what was that like? Uh, were you were you watching what the defense was doing on the field, or were you just um, in full uh, quarterback mode, getting ready for the next series? Yeah, I think it. I think it depends on um, what was happening in the game. For the most part, though, once once the offense comes off the field. Um, I'm on the iPad looking at, you know, what, what that last series drive looked like, um, to see how the defense is, is playing certain plays that we have, how we could capitalize on that the next drive. And so um, depending on the intensity of the game and, and 
I'm I'm actually looking at what I need to do next. I'm not able to watch the defense as, as much as I want to. Um, but then when we started to get comfortable offensively, we kind of got a handle on some things. I was able to be on the sideline carrying on our defense and, and watching them do their thing. I, I, it's nice to um, to see our rookies just ball out, and um, it feels good to, to be a fan, to, to cheer on my teammates on the side. So when I have the opportunity to do that, I'm all in. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I, um, I I think the Renegades rookie class this year has taken on, um, you know, a, a lot of you know a lot of responsibility, even compared to some previous rookie classes. Um, and I think we've seen really excellent uh, play out of them. Um, and that's such a you know, as you can you know as you can attest to, huge help in just continuing to uh, high performance, kind of like, no, you know, even if you lose, you know, veterans, which happens every year, uh, to be able to train up the rookies um, so effectively and have them on the field for, you know, a lot of the game is, is pretty tremendous. Could you, you know, you know, tell us, you know, about some of the rookies on the team who have been impactful for the Renegades this season? Oh, there's so many to name. Um, but I would say Kara G is one of our um, outside linebackers who has been just a sponge. Um, and she's, you could tell she's having so much fun out there and and just getting after it. So on special teams, she's one of the field alongside Shawnee making the tackle. Um, and then, you know, when she's on defense, she just she understands her read so well. She plays hard, and she forces things to happen. And so she there's just so much talent there. There's so much uh, promise in her, and I'm excited to see what what she's going to do in the future. Selena Pasquale, I think, is another um, person who has been a tremendous impact on for our defense, and she's just relentless. She gets after the ball, no matter who's in front of her, it's like she just kind of tunnel visions, blacks out, and nothing else matters but the ball. And to have that type of mentality, that go-getter type of an attitude to go in and, and do that job on every single down, that's, that's something you can't teach. That's just innate inside of her. And so once she understands the game a little bit more, she's unstoppable. So those two come to mind. and I, I feel bad naming those two because there's so many others that are that are just chomping at the bit, waiting to get out there to to make an impact. And I think it just speaks to the amount of talent, the depth that we have in our team. And I'm looking forward to to seeing what these guys do in the future. Shante, uh, talk about about, uh, to us about Daniel Fournier, uh, probably one of the key elements out of that whole defensive stance. Uh, you talk about Gamble, Pasquale, yourself on there, uh, but talk to us about Fournier, and, and she's just a, you know, year in, year out, just a beast, kind of putting it out there for herself, and, and she is, you know, somebody that the uh, offense, the uh, other team, 70, has they have to look out for. Yeah, Donnie, um, she's special, man. She's just, she's 
but her demeanor, she's just so quiet and poised and humble and just does her job. Um, but she, the, the amount of work that she puts in off of the field, um, I think completely transcends what she's doing on the field. It, 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 it's awesome to see how much better she gets every single year. And, again, I think a lot of it has to do with – because what you guys see is, is the end product, right? Um, what you don't see is all of the, the preparation that goes into it for, for our entire organization, the entire team. And Donnie in particular is meticulous about, um, you know, what she's putting in her body, what her workout routine is, how much sleep she's getting, um, all in preparation for, for practices and games. And so um, what you guys see out there on game day, it's, uh, she didn't just wake up and this happened. And so it's just a testament to her work ethic, her tenacity, and her dedication to, to doing what she needs to do to, to, uh, to do what we can on the field and uh, doing what she needs to do to help us win games. So she's awesome. Great teammate, great person, great work ethic. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know if any, um, how many people have seen uh, the video of uh, Mr. Kraft um, calling to congratulate the team after mm-hmm. the game, but uh, there's a, you might call it an extended cut where uh, Mr. Kraft like literally uh, says number 70 and um, uh, gives some praise to, uh, to Donnie, uh, which is, uh, quite quite a moment. Um, it was pretty clear that Mr. Kraft watched the game very very carefully. So so that was that was something else. Uh, what was that like? Just being on the receiving end of that uh, that call, that whole thing. Yeah, um, it was a surprise for one. Um, that didn't happen a year ago, and so when we got into the locker room and um, we we gathered around and. The cell phone is out on speaker, like, what's happening right now? And then we hear Robert Kraft's voice. I'm like, like, this is awesome, you know. And for him to he, – he shouted out a couple of players. But, yeah, that was, that was a great moment when he said, that number 70, she's special. Um, to see Donnie's face, uh, she was blown away. And so, I'm, you guys, obviously, this is radio here, but I, as I'm telling the story, I'm beaming ear to ear because she deserves all of the recognition that she got from, from him because of how hard she works. And it's undeniable. It's hard not to see it. And for him to, I, like, she's she's a household name, number in this house right now, right? He was paying attention, and that's just awesome. It was, it was a great moment. And I'm sure she'll, something she'll never forget. I know I won't. <laughs> And she's obviously a key piece to that. That's really the reason I mention it too, because and he knows that yeah. that's a key piece to the to the defensive side of the ball and to keep this renegade. Um, Shante, four in a row. Um, I guess you know when you can say seven total. Um, I guess this is mm-hmm. kind of you guys are the benchmark in terms of the ZBFA, you know overall. So what how, you know how do you receive that yourself? You know you, you guys are the bench. This is. You are the target. You are now literally, in terms of WFA history, probably the best team in terms of the history of the WFA. 
Yeah, I think um, all all of the all of the success that our team has received has earned. Um, for me, I, I feel like it's. I don't want to. I don't want to sound like oh, cocky, like oh, I'm not surprised, but it was bound to happen because I know the amount of work that our team puts in to make sure that we're as successful as we can be. And so, yeah, winning four in a row and um, setting such a a winning tradition in Boston, um, it really is – all I'm thinking about is, okay, how do we get to the next one? What do we need to do next? How much time do we need to take off to make sure that we are, you know, um, I guess like we are ready to go back in, in the fall. And so making sure that we're doing what we need to do for our bodies to recover to get right back at it. So um, this is great. It's exciting. Well, I want to live in the moment, um, and, I, and I think I could speak for the rest of the team where it's like, yes, we're, we're going to stay here and savor this for a little while, but we can't stay here forever. It's like, okay, now what's next? Another championship, how do we get there? And we start setting these little goals again. And so – it's yeah, not not resting on our laurels, but also making sure that you know we enjoy the moment. But all right, we need, we need to move forward now. What's what's our next goal? Shante, MVP honors uh, more than once for you, and and probably the uh, some of the biggest stage you got ESPN two. I think the last time you got MVP honors, you were also on the big stage. So what what is this? You know, how does it? You take it in? How do you take in this MVP honors for yourself? Yeah, I think it's – I'm so – I'd rather someone else get the MVP, to be honest. Like, this game in particular, um, I feel like there are so many other of my teammates who who also deserved uh, that accolade. Um, and I, and so, yeah, I think it's great, but it it really means nothing. What's more important to me is that we got another ring. Um, so yeah, it's it's awesome. It's it's a nice kind of cherry on top, icing on the cake. Um, but again, if you know if I received an MVP award and we didn't have the outcome that we wanted, um, it, it means nothing. And so I don't put too much weight on the personal individual accolades um, because what matters is what what we do as a team. And if I can do anything to help our team win, for me, that's all that matters. So the MVP is great, but um, not anything that I hold too too strong to. Well, I appreciate you making the time, short notice. I know you're, you know, getting back into your own regular job thing, but I really wanted to bring you on because I wanted to spotlight your uh, accolades, the uh, great playoff run, uh, you know, minus uh, Cahill's uh, being injured, and you step in and take control of this team for the most two most important, uh, you know, games probably at the end of the season. So it speaks volumes about your leadership. It also speaks volumes about, you know, like you said, your teammates having confidence in yourself as well. And ultimately, you know, a deserving MVP. Uh, what a performance uh, in Canton against the, the Minnesota Vixens. So uh, congratulations again. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on and appreciate talking to you guys. This was great. Thank you. All right, Shante, thank you again for coming on. I uh, appreciate it. Have a safe week. Uh, get back in the groove of it there. And then we're looking forward to, uh, you know, a number five in a row, if that's the case, uh, 
looking forward to, like you said, working okay. towards that fifth title. Uh, I'm pretty sure Boston fans are um, very grateful for you guys' accomplishment. So looking forward to the, the next season as to see what you guys are going to come up with. Thank you. Thanks so much. Bye, Shante. Have a good see you later. All right. All right. Talk to you later. Bye, guys. All right, Mark. Uh, I just I had to get her on short notice. She was more than uh, gracious to come on, and I really appreciate her time. And uh, but you know, deserving of the MVP honors. Uh, you know, take them into the playoffs with Cahill out, plus you know a, a really good supplemental backfield that she had as well. So you know, uh, you know, Bonds just you, there's none of you can say. I mean, probably one of the legendary renegades of in terms of the scope of the team, in terms of the, the history of the team, and then and she's come through every time. Last time she was MVP as well, and she came through. And so, uh, you know, speaks volumes about the pedigree of this team and also just her leadership in leading this team to uh, to punch it in. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree. You know, I also agree with her that, you know, there are, you know, a, a number of other players on the team that could have won that MVP this year. But, you know, Shantae, she really does deserve it. Um not only for the way she played, which was outstanding, 127 rushing yards and two touchdowns, but for the way that she prepared, right, and got ready for the moment. Um, uh, you know, that, that's that's what the MVP honors really made of, I think, this year. So, you know, she she definitely deserves that that accolade, and um, uh, thankfully, she can in, enjoy. Um, uh, another championship, which uh, is the collective goal from the beginning. I know you're a fan of the team. Uh, I, deep down, I know you're. I know this fifth one is going to be probably a little tougher. But overall, there is an attainability for a fifth one, don't you think, Mark? Based on the nucleus that they have there. I yeah, I, I agree. Um, you, I mean, you never know. Uh, you know what the next season is going to hold in terms of you know, your own team, not to mention other teams, right, in terms of personnel, um, uh, you know, your coaching staff, uh, just other things that happen. But, you know, I definitely have to say at at this point, um, you know, given where the Renegades are at and certainly other teams in in the National Conference, I think chances are very good that Boston will reach the championship game next year and um you know and once you get to a scenario where it's just one game you know you like your chances if you're boston so i don't want to look too far ahead you know like i said anything could happen um uh in the off season and you know uh, but yeah they're, they're definitely looking like a very strong team this is you know very strong program you know they put the time in to build the program up um, from 2015 um, to, you know, reaching the finals in 2017, um, winning it in 2018, and they just continue to build upon the success, and um, uh, and that's what it's all all about. You know, that's the master plan, and that's and they're doing it. Mark, uh, a great ending. Uh, Minnesota, uh, a little bit disappointed with themselves. They were just not able to muster any type of offense. Uh, but, you know, credit, uh, like we just said right now, credit the defense for shutting that down for three quarters. They're able to punch in two scores, basically. But the bottom line is it was, it was kind of dominated on one side. Uh, 
you know, the Renegade backfield was just so impressive and so hard. Uh, it just it just basically killed down the uh, Minnesota defense so bad that 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 was the ending. So shout out to you know Minnesota for a a great season as well. But at the end at the end of the day, this is you know this is the standard, and uh, once again they hoist the trophy. Uh, what did you think of D two, Mark? Uh, we you know Kimberly, we talked about her being the key. We also talked about how mile high on defense was going to be the key, and it looked that way initially. Uh, Derby did play a a very good game offensively. I think they lack some uh, some surprise uh, uh, you know throwing skills that they had before, but they didn't go for until until the late corner you know a quarter. Uh, it just became one of these games where it was down to the wire. But you know opportunities for Derby were there. Just unfortunately, it just didn't mature. Yeah, you know um, I I felt like if if uh, Derby could score. Uh, three touchdowns, they'd be in a position to win. Um, and that was true. They did not convert on a two-point conversion, which could have won the game for them. Um, uh, but, you know, it, Mile High played an outstanding game. They also got three touchdowns. Okay, both teams, you know, scored three touchdowns. Um, and it was a, so it was a little bit more high-scoring than I thought it was going to be. Um, but uh, as you said, you know Derby City, they had their their chance at the end. They 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 had a chance for a drive. It just seemed to me that they, um, I don't know if they weren't prepared or they just didn't seem to have a two minute drill uh, for that situation. They a lot of time burned off the clock in that last two minutes, and they they weren't getting plays off quickly and. Um, you know, so so maybe they just weren't prepared for that that moment. But um, you know, when all is said and done, that was an outstanding football game for both teams. It was hard fought. I I, I think both teams, you know, um, worked their game plans pretty well. But there can only be one winner, and that was the Mile High Blaze. And you know, one outstanding, you know, performance by by the Blaze. Uh, very impressed. I think defensively they played a really good game. Uh, the last three minutes to your four minutes, I think Derby running the ball probably wasn't the best thing they could have done. They did have uh, weapons with Buckner, and you know they had some weapons there. Uh, some, de- some it was what uh, I think it was. Is it Meeks or Weeks? I want to say who was one of the uh, the key uh, stoppers in terms of some plays uh, that Mahai was in the red zone and they were able to bat bat the balls off. So that right there in itself was, you know, they were in the game, some key players there. But the bottom line is they ran the ball almost in the last, what, four minutes to your point, and they could have aired it out. Yeah. I mean, there, there was opportunities there, and I think that was their detriment ultimately. Yeah, I mean, you know, the play selection wasn't wasn't the best just in terms of, um, you know, the not stop, you know, stopping the clock and, kind of preserving some time for themselves because ultimately they ran out of time, right? Uh, they were, they were at midfield and, you know, they had to keep, take a couple of shots down the field because they didn't have enough time. Um, you know, I certainly understand, you know, having some running plays that you think they, you know, has the potential to break a big one. Um, but you have to have, you know, you have to have more than that, uh, ready to go. Um, if those things don't work out, you know, you, you 
you, you got to do something else. So, yeah, I, I feel like the clock management at, at, you know, last few minutes for Derby was, um, you know, uh, wasn't um, in their favor. Now, the bottom line is we talk about Mel High, like you said, uh, in terms of their history, they've struggled to get here. They've struggled to advance, and this is the year they did it. So, uh, And, I, you know, you got to give credit to uh, Kimberly, uh, Santa Steven, for doing a fantastic job on offense. They really created some really good, uh, you know, uh, drives. Uh, defensively, they were just really good in terms of stopping the run, in terms of Furman and Meyer and company there. So, uh, you know, credit them for – sticking to their game plan. And then in the last uh, four minutes, to your point, Mark, uh, they really just stood there and, you know, they just un- understood that they were going to run it, and they really didn't really pursue, understanding that they were just killing the clock. So I don't understand, you know, where where Derby's mindset was. Yeah. Um, uh, but, you know, Mahai, they, they, they played it. I think like, you know, Boston, they prob- uh, Mahai probably feels like they played one of their – um, most complete games of the season in this one, which, you know, definitely goes a long way towards winning that championship trophy. Um, and um, so on both sides of the ball, as you point out, you know, offense and defense, I, I feel like their offensive performance in this game was, you know, perhaps their strongest of the season and their, and their defensive performance was was very strong as well. That last play of the game, Mark, just pretty much sums up the whole game. You know, the batted ball at the end, that was literally how, you know, it was all game. And it was just, you know, yep. ran, the time ran out and one first, one team batted the ball. But it, it was that type of game. It was, you know, tr- trying to – one play would have changed the element of it, and it just didn't happen. Yeah, it was a big win. And, um, you know, I'm very happy to see that, um, you know, already the, the mayor of Denver – and the governor of Colorado have offered their congratulations to the Blaze um, on social media. Um, so I'm hopeful that more will come out of that. Um, those are like really, you know, really fantastic connections that you, you know, you, a team can make to help their cause of, you know, become getting more recognition and, you know, uh, thereby becoming a stronger team financially. You get, you know, more people to show up to your tryouts. Uh, you get more volunteers who want to help because they want to be a part of something special. So, um, if anything, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, the Blaze will really, you know, reap the benefits of, of, of winning a championship, um, and um, and they can use that to to um, you know make themselves better and uh, just uh, really step up the game a little bit more. And uh, then we'll perhaps see them in the pro division next year. Yeah. And the key piece, the key piece for me is, you know, a, a really good solid quarterback stance. Like I said, uh, Santa Stevens played a very good game yet. Uh, smooth, uh, smooth glory Jones finally gets her ring. Um, and just, you know, and then just watching win. Just be so happy for the win. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know if I can if that rhymes well, but just having her <laughs> be happy for it. I mean, she's gone through a lot in the last couple of seasons. You know, in and out of the playoff first round, second round, finally to you know to get to hoist the trophy. That was just uh, awesome to see. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, definitely a big win. 
uh, you know, certainly happy for those players who, and, and you know, co- coaches and staff who came close before. Um, it's it's tough to lose that playoff game um, or a championship game, and then to finally win it. That's is this you know one of the sweetest feelings that that a person can can feel in sports. So I'm very excited for them. Now, Mark for Thelma and company, uh, Coach McMillan. Uh, this was a tough one to kind of you know lose, but to your point, you know the last uh, the last four minutes they could have done something different. Maybe they could have punched in a score there and they could have just earned it that way, but they did not. Uh, so, you know, they, they had a great season as well. Four and four, I think it was their actual season, right? And then they come in here to face six and one, uh, Ma High. So, you know, they, they just, they were looking for that back-to-back championship. But uh, overall, we talked to her a couple podcasts before. She was talking about how it was a total rookie class, majority of the squad. They had to make changes in season. So, you know, for Derby, you know, shout out to them for making it a competitive one-game loss. I mean, that just no nothing wrong with that. It just They just played to the last end, and they just the better team just got, you know, that one point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we can't take anything away from Derby City and, and what they have accomplished. I mean, what they were trying to do um, is, you know, that's a hard thing to do, especially when you lost a lot of veterans and you're plugging – you know, plugging in rookies uh, to be starters and, you know, maybe having players play both ways or, you know, change positions. Um, so in light of that and all those things that Selma told us um, several weeks ago, uh, what the Derby City Dynamite is really quite remarkable. It's quite, quite incredible to reach that championship game at a higher level than you were last year. And, you know, they almost pulled it off. Uh, there's definitely um, much to be said about about that. Uh, I feel like it's a very successful season for Derby City. Mark, the one thing I took away from this game was nobody took a down off. Everybody was right on it, defensively, offensively. They all were battling hard. So congratulations to both teams. Probably, if you put it in scope in terms of the two years, this is probably the game that you can watch and go back and go, this was just a tight-knit, you know, back-and-forth seesaw battle. And so shout-out to both teams for putting a great performance on there. Uh, I I think I've watched it more than once already, almost three times, because of the fact that it was so good to watch and go back and forth. So it was a really great game. Um, Mark, we talked about OKC. We said if Jeffries cannot be contained – uh, the Savages would have problems, and the Savages got problems. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, you know, I'm going to say I was really surprised, but, um, it, you know, I'm a bit surprised that uh, Oklahoma City, like, I mean, really pretty much dominated that game. Uh, they controlled pretty much the whole game, and um, the scoreboard showed it. Um, it was – you know, it, it was a good, you know, it was, it was a very solid performance by Oklahoma City. Um, now, for Capital City, though, I mean, I'm sure they'll be, you know, the same thing. Like, turnovers will get you. Turnovers really did not help their cause at all mm-hmm. in that game. It, it, it cost them, uh, you know, it cost them everything. It cost them field position. cost them time of possession. You know, cost them. You know, cost them points that they might have been able to score, and you know, um, 
I think Oklahoma City scored, you know, at least a couple, you know, took advantage of a couple of those turnovers and converted those into points. Um, so uh, that's a tough, that's a tough pill to swallow. Um, but that was the story of the game. And um, it also was an interesting game. Uh, you know, congratulations to uh, the Oklahoma City Lady Force. They um, they proved it that they were worth their undefeated uh, um, status going into the game. So that was that was pretty awesome. And it wasn't uh, like a one-sided game, but for, through the first what two quarters, almost to, to half. It was pretty an evenly matched game. And to your point, once yep. the Savages started creating some of the turnovers, it really became a detrimental thing for them. They did, you know, they did keep it tight for almost, I think, two quarters, if I'm correct. Um, and then it was just basically, uh, you know, it just got away from them. Like you said, you know, the, the team took advantage of it. OKC really converted points, and it just became a, a big hurdle for uh, Capital City to even, you know, muster a series or two to get, to get going. Yeah, it, it's it's so hard to play you know, a championship game that's not – you didn't play up to your potential, you know. Uh, you didn't you, you, you didn't uh, execute your game plan. You had these sort of mistakes. And, you know, mistakes that they, they didn't really make a lot of these kind of mistakes during the regular season. So, um, in, in, a, in a way, that was kind of an uncharacteristic for the capital city savages that it doesn't really reflect, um, you know, what kind of team they are. So, you know, that's, that's sad. That's a shame. Um, Cause we, we would much rather see teams perform uh, their best uh, in the championship game. Uh, so, so that's too bad. Yeah, and it was kind of interesting to see that the first half, uh, I think it ended in a 7-0 game, so it was really tight still. They were in the game. Uh, it became more of an issue in the third quarter, to your point, and then once the fourth quarter came around, uh, OKC did almost the same thing that uh, they were doing against Arizona. It, it to, once the fourth quarter came in, they just really started to you know dive into themselves. Uh, but, you know, like I said, uh, uh, Savage's defense did keep, I think it was 7-0, to zero, Mark, uh, through three quarters. So it wasn't like it's, you know, they didn't play well enough. They just, somehow they just did not, were not able to play one big quarter, and they just, they gave up too many points, and uh, OKC just took advantage of that. You know, I, I, I think, uh, you know, the Savages definitely proved that, you know, um, they belonged in, in that game, right? Um, the, they definitely earned their weight. Uh, to the championship, and yeah, they they did play them tough, uh, you know, just not long enough, and and they just they couldn't score points. Yeah, I think Wilson will probably have to look at uh, look at herself in the mirror and figure out what went wrong because uh, you know you to do the the Savages defense did do their job. They did their job for three quarters. Offensively, Wilson and and the offense just was not able to get going and. I think that was the detriment for the, the Capital City Savages. Their the offensive line plus the, their offensive you know output was just not able to take advantage of uh, some of the key plays that they were doing during the season, and that, and that was a big big deal. And then you know throwing interceptions it's not going to help you either <laughs> for quick scores. So that that was literally the difference in the fourth quarter. I mean, 
uh, I think it was eight minutes left in the game, you throw an interception that's just not going to help your cause. So they literally lost it in the fourth. Uh, ultimately, that's where KC won the game went in one quarter. Yep. Uh, yep, you're right. And, um, you know, but, you know, credit credit Oklahoma's defense. I mean, they had a, it was a big factor in winning that game, and that, that was such a, such a strong performance. Um, you don't see too many shutouts in championship games. Um, so, you know, it's, it was good to see, you know, it's good to see, you know, a, a dominant defensive performance. And then you think about the, the points, almost giving up 25 points in one quarter. That right there, I mean, that was just a, that was a heartbreaker, you know, because you play tough for three quarters and all of a sudden you give, you give everything up. And I think it was in a four-minute span, my notes say here, it was a four-minute span that they put up 25 points. Two turnovers, that right? two interceptions. I think if you go uh, back on the on the game, I think uh, uh, let me go back on my notes here. But I think it was a four a four minute span because it was seven zero coming into the fourth quarter. Let me take my notes here. Yeah, exactly. So third quarter ended at seven zero, and then you started the fourth quarter. They put up another score with about twelve minutes left. And then at the, what, the seven-minute mark? Let me see here. Yeah, seven-minute mark. It was 13-0 to zero at the, uh, with 11 minutes left in the game. And then uh, at the uh, literally five minutes left in the game. Let me see my notes here. Yeah, five minutes left in the game, uh, they put up the remaining points. So they went from 13 minus 25, so there you go. So that was the literally the two interceptions, I think it was. The returns for touchdowns, uh, yeah, with the with the with a, within seven to five minutes, about four minutes span, they they just completely just took over the game, and it wasn't really it was just KC, like you said, it was basically the turnovers, and that that really cost them uh, the game. So uh, twenty-five to zero was the victory for the Oklahoma City uh, Lady Force, and we said that in general. We said if you know if they couldn't contain Jeffries, and at this point it was basically more of a defensive win by OKC than anything. Yeah, you know I I, I think in our you know our our pre uh, pregame previews, you know we weren't really, you know looking at the Oklahoma City defense as a point scoring machine that that it turned mm-hmm. out to be there in the fourth quarter. It was just impressive to see. Uh, it d- didn't hurt that Wilson was throwing uh, <laughs> throwing uh, drop bombs to-, to him, you know what I mean? So it was yeah. kind of an air ball mentality. So that also helped them, you know, to, to just be ball hawks about it. So they took care of business, 25-0. Uh, so, Mark, what an impressive win. Uh, OKC finishes here. Uh, what a resume for them coming from the uh, WXFL in, what, five seasons and previous to that, and now making a real statement in the WFA. And I said it last year you know, when they were really riven up, that they this is a team that's going to probably move up to D2 if their roster maintains really well. Could be a competitive D2 team in the, in the uh, D2 realm coming next season. Yeah, it could be. Uh, um, that'll be very a very interesting uh, uh, addition to D2. Um, uh, can you recall, I, I believe they played the Mahai Blaze this year, did they not? And I yes, think they it did. was... Yeah, I think it was – was it a competitive game, I think? I think it was, you know, like maybe a couple scores, something like that. 
with the blaze going I'd out on top. To, I'd have to check Hostess, but um, I think you're right. Uh, I'm going to have to look right now because I, I don't recall, but I know it was – they did play Mile High, Mile High Blaze. Um, let me double-check here. This uh, see here. Uh, we're looking at uh, D3, right? D3. There we go. So I'm going to look it up right now. Uh, Mark, what do you say of the Karlstad Crusaders? Uh, no surprise here. Uh, we knew that they were going to be the top dog. Uh, you know, even Orbro probably wasn't going to be, you know, much of a match, and that's literally what it turned out to be. So I don't think we're surprised that they've won their fifth championship in a row. Yep. Um, it was 28-0, so, you know, defensive shutout. Um, the Crusaders putting up 28 points. Um, and, you know, uh, a couple weeks before the Crusaders had just crushed the Black Knights 40 to eight. So this was no surprise. Um, uh, but, you know, certainly this is a testament to the excellence of the Karlstad Crusaders there um, in over in Sweden. Uh, a really great job. Fifth, fifth in a row. Um, you know, they let, they led the, the whole league, um, from start to finish. Uh, only one team put up more points than them. That was the Orlando Jets. Had a bit of a softer schedule. Um, but, you know, certainly very impressive performance uh, by the Crusaders. And, you know, it's, um, unfortunately for uh, the Black Knights, they're playing second fiddle to the Crusaders again this year. Yeah, and that's the way it is. You get the highlights right there. Um, get the game recap as well. Um, thank, uh, shout out to Linda Johansson once again for being a champion, five-time champion, I think, uh, in the Sweden realm. So the so congratulations to Karlstad Crusaders. You get it on IG. Go to our IG page at Great Iron Beauties. Get all the winners right there from the WFA weekend, WNFC, plus the Sweden uh, championship as well. Uh, so, Mark, you were thinking of last year, when OKC took on uh, Mile High, because this year they did not take on Mile High. I think okay. it was Nebraska mistake. and Dallas Elite. But you're right, it was last year. So they took on uh, Mile High last year, and they did play them very competitive. Um, so this is it. Uh, this was a great win by them. Uh, what, a, what a force to be reckoned with here. So we'll be surprised if they don't move to D2. I think they deserve to be in D2. Just going to depend on their numbers, and they're able to maintain it. Um, but, uh, you know, overall... Shutting down two points uh, to uh, against Arizona, that was so impressive. Defense, uh, something we overlooked in terms of our preview, to your point correctly, we didn't anticipate that they were going to be this good on defense as well, and uh, so they proved it against the Savages with the shutout. Yeah, congratulations to them, and uh, maybe we'll see them in, in D2 next, next year. Uh, but, you know, WFA championships all wrapped up. Um, you know, three three good games to watch. Um, they should all be on YouTube. I know the championship, uh, the pro championship, will might take a few days for it to to re, to to be uh, uploaded to YouTube for you know um, whatever contract reasons they have with ESPN. Um, mm-hmm. But that'll end up on YouTube uh, on, uh, at some point too. So um, we'll be able to watch them all again. All right, don't forget to get you guys go go to the hub, right, Mark? The best network on the planet is the hub. That's where you want to be week to week. Uh, you get the lowdown on everything that's happening in the sport right there at Gridiron Beauties on Facebook, everything that happened in Sweden, Germany, 
as well. We haven't talked about the German league yet, but uh, we're going to dive into that next week. It's, I think, week eight already in the German league, but we're just trying to focus on the States because that's where the majority of the action was happening right now in terms of major coverage. Uh, looking forward to that as well. Also looking forward down to Mexico as the new season starts there as well. So we're, we'll get you covered everywhere. Looking forward to the IFAB World Championships, Mark. That's going to be awesome. Uh, Football Canada, we just talked to Coach Claire uh, Dorr. Looking ready to get that gold as well. And so it's going to be an exciting, uh, what, three weeks? We're almost three weeks out for the IFAB World Championships. So looking forward to see who's going to arrive in Vanta and who's going to make an impact on the world stage in terms of the IFAB Women's World Championship 2022. So, all right, Mark, uh, what what awesome guest. We had the the quarterback, Michelle Angel of the X-League, uh, Austin Sound in the house. We had Coach Claire, the legendary and pioneer of Football Canada. And, of course, your girl, MVP, Shantae Bonds, uh, with the, the fourth consecutive championship for the Boston Renegades. What what a podcast. Two hours. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, you know, uh, shout out to you, Oscar, for your uh, masterful interviewing skills um, on display with three guests tonight. Um, outstanding work, my friend. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate that. Uh, but we do what we do, Mark. That's what we do. We do the best thing we do every week. We prep up for uh, one, one day out of the week to spotlight the best athletes in women's American football, and we try to do our best to get them in here so that people are aware of them, right? Uh, that's what we want to We want to spotlight the best of the best. Shante Bonds, one of the best of the best in terms of the world scene as well. Got uh, Tudi Kusinen, Ruth Mata, uh, a lot of players uh, in terms of the WFA as well and the WNFC. So uh, thanks again to Claire Dorr for making her time uh, on a short notice. Really appreciate it, Claire, if you're listening uh, to, through the podcast. And uh, awesome job out in Canada. I really appreciate you uh, doing all that efforts out there as well. So, Mark, that's it. Uh, you know, the crew is not here. I think they're drunk for the weekend. That Lister and Mackenzie <laughs> and Nate and and Holly, I think they're all they're all drinking based on the national championship. Yeah. But they couldn't make it, but we made it because we're sober and happy. That's right, cream sodas only. So we're we're in we're we're keeping we're keeping the ship afloat, right? Uh, everybody else behind us is drunk, but we're maneuvering the wheel. We're good. We're not going to hit the <laughs> Titanic. We're good to go. Uh, no, for uh, <laughs> for the absent uh, co-host that we have here. Uh, for the Oracle of Women's Tackle Football, Mark Simone. Oscar Lopes here. Looking forward to 434 as we kind of prep up for the IFAB World Championships, Mark. That's going to be awesome. Next next couple weeks as we as we get down to the final uh, stage of 2022 in terms of a culmination on a world stage. That's awesome. Yes, it's uh, very exciting. Can't wait. All right, guys. Uh, don't forget to go to monkeynightfive.com. Use the code NJF. Get ready for the NFL season. Uh, so for Mark Simone, Oscar Lopez saying, have a great week. Uh, thank, congratulations to the WFA champions, OKC Lady Force, also the uh, My High Blaze, and the Boston Renegades. So check out our stuff on our uh, gallery on IG, and also don't forget to go to the Hub. Have a great night, everybody. Play is the fastest-growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy-to-play contests with cash prizes. Featuring your favorite players. Monkey Night Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.